and welcome to Attack of the Querwolf. I'm Michael. I'm Mark. I'm Nay. Hey. hey. This week we are coming at you from inside Rami Malek's brain, where we found Queen lyrics and Brian Singer allegations buried under an above ground pool. Hey. <laughs> All right. So, <laughs> kicking the pot off right. <laughs> we have a wonderful uh. guest with us today. I'm going to bring her in right away. Um, Her career started as a wildlife photographer and documentary filmmaker, subsequently becoming an on-camera host of various nature and science programs before writing and directing the feature film Death Watch. Following the success of Death Watch, she went to direct Wilderness and Solomon Kane and then followed that up by writing Silent Hill Revelation. Most recently, she has directed and or written for such TV shows as Da Vinci's Demons, The Player, Strike Back, Power, Marvel's Iron Fist, and the amazing Ash vs. Evil Dead. What? Everyone, MJ Bassett. Yay! Yay! Hello, everybody. Hi. Hi, MJ. Hi. Welcome. That was a great introduction. Thank you very much. That reminded me how much I'd done. <laughs> like, I have a career. <laughs> well, it was like, it's impressive because when I was like narrowing it down, yeah. there was a lot to choose from. Good. Yeah. That's good. That, that, that diversity in career. That wasn't that wasn't even the whole No. Bio. That was edited highlights. Oh my god, you must be exhausted. Oh every day. <laughs> but it, they, you mentioned some shit on there as well. I'd rather cut some of that out. Like, you can note it after the I, show. I'm gonna, I'm gonna please don't mention that one ever again. <laughs> Should have been greater success. Actually it was great failure. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> and the business the business is cruel. MJ, is there anything you want to tell our guests? Any anything you I didn't bring up as far as projects that you want to bring up? Um. Oh gosh. Uh, well, I've, I've I'm just just delivered a, a cut of a feature I shot, uh, which is a sequel to the Inside Man. Oh you know, yes, the Spike Lee movie. Mm-hmm. So I'm inheriting <laughs> Spike. Um. So I just delivered that. I'm going to go and do uh, some altered carbon. Oh, Next. okay, wow. wow. Yeah, which would be fun, big sci-fi stuff. Yeah. Uh, cool. What else have I done? Yeah, a whole, you know, it's like the business is crazy. You have to have like eight plates spinning to get one job off the ground. Right. Yeah. So it's, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's kind of fun. That's great. Yeah. Uh, if I think of anything else, I'll tell you along the way. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. Halfway through, oh, 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 by the way, I've just done this. <laughs> yeah. um, um, all right. Tea time? Sure. Mm. Should we spill it? Yeah. All right. Oh my god, yeah, I had to think of something, didn't I? Okay, you guys go first. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to riff on whatever you say. Perfect. Okay. Mm. Oh god. Okay, promise to be my friend, even after okay. I tell you what I watched. Oh. Promise. Uh, I always. Okay. I promise. Uh, I watched all five Twilight movies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> Which I had never, I was so late on that. It's like I psychological self-flagellation. Yo. For real. I really, (laughs) it took me so many different places. And here I am. I I might have seen one of those. But did you always look like this? (laughs) Fortunately, yes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I, which one was your, and I massive favorite. Okay. So, I mean, at the beginning, obviously was totally weirded out by this like 100 year old man being obsessed with this child. Um, but once I moved past that, I actually four films in <laughs> four yeah literally four <laughs> films in I don't know there was some kind of like big vampire showdown and I'm telling you that part of the movie I was I was yelling I was like yeah like I really <laughs> it took me somewhere my friend worked on those yeah he was part of like the he worked at Lionsgate um, so he was part of like the production staff or something but at the premiere he said for the last one it was like fucking bonkers the yeah. crowd I bet yeah. 
Yeah, because I lost my shit. Yeah. And also People the werewolves are one million times hotter than yeah. any of the vampires. Yeah. So that's Although for doesn't, fucking sure. Well, um, Lautner, Taylor yep. Lautner, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. isn't like his thing at the end, like he's into like a baby? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, okay. that's like. Part yeah, he's of into the, their baby. That's what the show is. <laughs> yeah, he's into their baby. It's the whole, the whole he franchise like is like Mormon Nambla shit. It's really <laughs> so fucking spooky. Yeah. Everything about it. And what I love about it is that Kristen Stewart's post Twilight career seems to be like she's just doing anything she can to run away from it. She's yeah. like, my favorite being Personal Shopper, where it's just literally. She's just atoning for Twilight movies where it's like <laughs> literally she's trying to fuck a ghost oh my God. <laughs> and wearing like the most amazing clothes and riding scooters in Paris and you just want her to like hit you. Like it's just, <laughs> it's the great, has anyone seen Personal oh Shopper? I actually I haven't, not. but I really love pitch, her. I'm going to get Oh my God. God. <laughs> we have to do it She's for the She's trying pod. to fuck a ghost. I mean, that's... She, it's the best it's the literally it's uh, Olivia Sayas it's so it's legitimately like it's it was maybe my favorite movie of 2017 amazing okay you're not gonna be deeply ironic here you actually like the movie no my god no I've heard it's great okay I'm being jokey about it but it's a legitimately wonderful movie she's a really good actress yes she is apart from that gigantic bit of career where she made all her money and never needed to work again she's great I can't wait to see her play Savannah Knoop in the JT Leroy movie she did with Laura Dern when does that come out? I don't know, but I really want to see it soon. I hope. I hope. Okay. Um, I'm a I fan. want her to do, I want her to do like a big broad comedy. I want to see what she would do on something like that. She I, might have to move her face then though. So. <laughs> I saw her in that. I, I saw her in that Woody Allen movie, that cafe society. Yeah. Ooh, yeah I mean, yeah. something like bridesmaids. Oh, broad. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. I'd like to see if she could do it. I wonder who, I, I bet Melissa McCarthy could drag it out of her. Yeah. Right? Or Rose Byrne. Uh, okay. Just fellow big broads. Okay. I love Rose Byrne. Rose Byrne? <laughs> no. Just talking about Melissa. Uh, oh, Melissa's the love best. Her. Yeah. Spy? Oh. You've seen Spy. Right? Yes. Oh, that I have seen. Have you seen, movie. did you guys see Can You Ever Forgive Me Yet? No. no. Yeah, no. You saw it? Nope. Nope. Spectacular. I've been working. Oh, yeah. You can't wait to make a movie. Rub it in, why don't you? Rub it in. Making a movie. (laughs) (laughs) Mark, what have you been watching? Um, I saw, so the Oscar nominations came out recently. And of course, this ended up being a movie that came out in 2018 that I slept on. And I kept hearing, oh, the lead performance in it is so great. It's so great. The movie's so good. It's quiet. It sneaks up on you, whatever. And it deserves a bunch of nominations and it won't get any. And I finally just broke down and watched it uh, last week. It's Support the Girls, directed by Andrew Bujalski. Uh, yeah, you had mentioned that. Starring Regina Hall. Love Regina Hall. It is fantastic. It is a fantastic movie. Regina Hall delivered, along with Melissa McCarthy and Tony Collette and Hereditary, delivered like mm. my favorite performance. Like, oh, wow. The, 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 cool. like, by far. And look, I'll be glad for Glenn when she walks away with it, which is you know, she deserves it, not for the wife, because it sucked. But um, <laughs> I did not. But she's great in the wife because she's never less than great. But um, Regina Hall does something so delicate and so it, it, her performance sneaks up on you in such a way that you don't even realize that you're watching like a performance. And correct me if I'm wrong. It's such a basic premise, right? Like she like runs a bar. She runs a Hooters. Oh, okay. And it's about <laughs> she the runs crew, like right? a low rent Hooters and she acts like kind of a mother hen. To really all of these her. sort of messy, lovely, crazy girls oh my God, my who, who work <laughs> at the Hooters, uh, and their boss is uh, played by James LaGrosse, who's like this kind of like 
I don't know, just like Texas sleaze, yeah. you know, <laughs> who's like, who, who's, he's good, not gross. He's, I mean, he's, he's like gross, but he's on not the back of his truck. Right, exactly. He's, he's not, um, scary. You've seen it. Yeah. It's, it's glorious. It's so good. And, um, I don't know. I, I, I'm sort of loath to say more about it, except that all the performances are spectacular. Um, the rapper jungle pussy, uh, yes. plays, uh, probably second ish. The rapper who jungle <laughs> pussy. Okay, cool. <laughs> um, she is equally wonderful in the movie. And, um, I don't know. It's just the type of movie we don't deserve. Cause we, uh, don't, give it enough attention, but oh my God, you guys support the girls. Did I know it's been in your queue. It's been in your Hulu queue. It's for, on Hulu. Yeah. It's on oh, Hulu. Great. It's been in your queue for approximately two years or something. <laughs> and you keep meaning to watch it, but instead you watch some other garbage. Let me tell you something. Just, just watch it. You're going to love it. And also I saw destroyer and Nicole Kidman is terrifying. <laughs> she's so, and destroyer. She's such a good actor. And I love Kareem Kusama. And yes, um, and yeah, Destroyer is is rough. Um, <laughs> All right, but that's uh, so that's what I saw. MJ uh, couldn't get through Destroyer. Yeah, uh, yeah, a lot of too people, much makeup, too much tr- trying too hard, just trying too hard. There's there's a lot there's of like, there's a lot. Of it's like she's got Nicole's got like a stick on her nose or do a thing all the time. It's like ah, she's a fabulous actress, but all the prosthetics and I love yeah. it so much. Stop. <laughs> I was like, oh my god, she's like she can't move her face. I was just, she looked like Freddie in like yeah. one shot, in one shot, and I was just like, I know, I, it's like I can't hair. argue with you, and yet I was like, I'm here for it. I'm yeah. just, I was here for it. I sometimes you get an appointment, and it's just trying too damn hard, <laughs> and that was a trying too hard performance for me. So yeah. I'm not saying it's bad, just for me. I can, I, hey, I, I like to preface everything I say is this is just my opinion. Right. Yeah, Which is yeah. great. Every single word that comes out of my mouth this evening is, this is just my opinion. <laughs> I don't speak for anybody other than me. I know. We should probably do a disclaimer before Queer World. I don't really feel often. like we probably should. <laughs> yeah, um, we've made some people really disappointed. So I'd like to, like, so this is a general it. disclaimer. Everything I say seems to be Does it have to be a, a contemporary thing? Anything, I'm gonna, no. Anything you've anything. seen. All right, so I'm going to talk about something where you're all going to look at me like, what the fuck? Okay, so I was, uh, I try to get through all the screeners and the kind of, most of the movies I'm not really into this year. Um, so going into binging old TV shows, which are kind of comfort food TV shows. And there's a comedy I show out of the UK called The Green, Green Wing, which yeah. is a hospital comedy. And it's just so innovative. Olivia Coleman start, Ooh, started well, in it okay. as a, oh, as that, a secret, was, Okay. And not started, but really early performance yeah. in there. It's got a bunch of great British comedians. It's very innovative. And it's, so I've been watching that. But the one I discovered was Barry. Have you seen oh, the HBO show Barry? It's so good. Holy shit, that's a good show. <sighs> Bill Hader is amazing. It's just... Everyone on that show is Existential crisis show. Hitman. Yeah, it's got comedy. Yeah. Oh my god, this is fa- fabulous, it. and it, and it's the tactical weapons handling is great. That's my, that's my shit, so I like watching that. <laughs> yeah. um, and Bill Hader is great. The kind of the internal journey that he goes on, and the he's co- a really good actor, phenomenally good actor, really good actor, and just clearly reveling in the kind of the, what the concept allows him to do, and shoot shit and kill people, and then pretend to be a bad actor. And he created that. Is that is that? I was think he thing? created it, right? He co-created it or Correct. created it? Yes. Correct. Yeah. I'm, I threw. I called my. Agent, went. Can I direct one of those? So I, had, I went for a meeting. Went. No, no. We got all our directors this year. Like, Can I do the next season? Oh, we got the next year as well. <laughs> and I think that was a no. I think it was a hard pass <laughs> in the nicest possible way. It's like, no, you're not going to do the show. Also, his wife is a director. She directed my favorite episode of the season. She also directed the To Do List. I cannot remember. <laughs> That's such a good movie. Her last name for the life of me is it Maggie? Should I will I look it up. Hold on. 
But the Jill do- Hader's wife? Yes. Okay. The to-do list is lovely. I'm blanking on that. Yeah. It's with Aubrey Plaza. Oh, and yeah. Alia, okay. Alia yeah. Shawkat. Um, it's good. Okay. What did you watch? <laughs> I watched a show that has been on the air forever and I still watch it and I watch it live usually every week. And if it's not live, it's like within the minute it drops on Hulu at two o'clock in the morning. Are you going to get mad about Saturday Night Live again? No. <laughs> um, <laughs> we cut that out. Really. Um, oh, so this isn't live. <laughs> <laughs> I love, and I think I tweeted about it this week. I love Grey's Anatomy. It's the best. And this week, past week was it's winter premiere. It's just fantastic. I thought of it. I actually didn't know what I was going to talk about, but when you started talking about Kristen Stewart wanting to fuck a ghost and personal <laughs> shopper, mm-hmm. I thought of the season where Katherine Heigl actually fucks a ghost. Yes. Because she has a brain tumor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, it just brought back a lot of wonderful memories of early Grey's Anatomy. And it was a le- that was like, that was how like, so you know how she like talks shit about the show, right? Yeah. Like she talked, like she won the Emmy and then the next year she took her, she withdrew her name from contention. And instead of just leaving it alone, she said it was because the writers didn't give her anything worth being nominated for. Oh. So instead of just like, Does she work a lot now. <laughs> she's, no. I think she took over <laughs> Meghan Markle's trailer in suits. <laughs> I mean, she like, wow. took a, oh God, no, I'm sorry. You know what? Wow. We're going to cut that out. Love that's like the it, meanest drag. thing. That's the meanest. Um, don't cut that out. It. That's a that's good guy. Amazing. Oh no. Um, I don't. So like, I'm I, really a very nice person. So like the end of her <laughs> Nice run, isn't entertaining though. So. <laughs> you are the nicest person. <laughs> is he? Uh, I'm kidding. <laughs> Mark's having a rough day. No, I know. And why do I just keep pouring salt on it? I don't know why I keep doing that. But, um. You like to watch me squirm. It's I'm fun. talking about Catherine Heigl. Okay. <laughs> Excuse uh, me. I'm so sorry. Please continue. <laughs> but the last thing they gave her on the show was ghost fucking before they fired her. And it's amazing. Emmy, Emmy material. If yeah. I've ever heard of it. So, but nine seasons later, right. <laughs> I'm still watching it. And Ellen Pompeo, I'm a huge fan of the show because it's so ridiculous sometimes, but I also do like the drama in it, but I have like grown to love Ellen Pompeo. Like she is so she's boss lady. And she, knows her station in life and has used her power on that show for so many good things for people behind the scenes, people in front of the camera and just making sure people are taken care of. And that like her world of the show is representative of the actual world, meaning just very diverse and people of all different sizes and shapes and looks and colors and everything. So I really, I really hand it to Ellen Pompeo for like, basically going to the Shonda Rhimes school of how to do TV and really learning from it. Mm. So Grey's Anatomy. All right. Anyway, cool. Ne- Anything ne- else? Ne- never seen one. Never seen one. <laughs> Has any start like in the middle? Do I have to start at the beginning? <laughs> no, that was my, I was like, I had nine. It is a soap. Nine seasons. 15. 15 seasons. Yes. It's in season 15. Oh, I want those residuals. <laughs> What, Brennan? Has anyone started watching you yet on Netflix? No, I hear it's bonkers. I hear it's wild. It's nutty. First of all, Pim Badgley, like mm. I, it's just it's a thing. I'm a thing for that. Yeah. I don't know why it's very specific. Um, I liked but, him more now that I saw on Twitter that people oh, were like idolizing his scary character, and he went on Twitter to be like, "Please don't say nice garbage. things yeah, about yeah, my yeah. character. Oh, yeah, my character's a stalker and dangerous and a murderer." <laughs> yeah, it's it's a show about a stalker, and it's about the cognitive dissonance basically between your fantasies in reality and versus what people post on social media in reality. Mm. And that's really interesting. 
the girl has no curtains in her house. Um, so he can just watch everything, including sexual liaisons just in front of an open bay window. Um, and I'm just going to go ahead and say that is straight privilege right there to feel comfortable <laughs> enough to be seen That's true. and like not immediately invoke anger in the people seeing you. Cause every, mm. she's just like, I guess this is fine. Netflix released her numbers for that show last massive, week. Massive. Massive. And yeah. like someone did a gif of like lifetime. Cause that was a lifetime show. Yes. And they got rid of it and Netflix picked it up for season two. And it was Halle Berry driving in a car. I forget what movie is where her character is. And she's just like, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Like, <laughs> no, it's, I believe that was um, kidnapped. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Which I have to say, if Loved. you've never seen kidnap, it's great. It it truly needs to be filed under holy fucking shit. Um, it's amazing. It's Cali Berry in a minivan losing her mind <laughs> for 90 minutes and on a Georgia freeway. Mm. It's just mm-hmm. uh, truly, truly has to be seen. It's worth late. seeing. Yeah. 100%. No, but Again, now is that ironic or not? I can't tell anymore. It is it's a riot. It is a riot in the sense that the movie makes absolutely no sense. And Halle Berry commits so deeply to the insanity that you you have to admire that. You come, yeah, you come away from the movie going, Oh my God, Halle. (laughs) And also admiring the fact that not for a second, does she ever seem to be phoning it in? Didn't it do a ton of business as well? I think it did. Okay. It did. Okay. That and the one where she was a 911 operator did. Yeah. That's actually a good movie. She's a a really fine actress. She just makes some bad choices. Well, she's doing John Wick three. There you go. So she's, she's going to be in a big blockbuster. Yeah. yeah. I love Catwoman. Oh, oh stop it. Okay. I do. Oh, stop it. I unabashedly love Catwoman. <laughs> but yes, to that end, you... I, went, a, I was going to no, say, okay. when, when Catwoman came out, right, there was, um, there was a reveal of uh, the costume. And I just... It's like, oh, that's a joke. Somebody's just done a joke. Someone's Halloween costume. A joke bad Catwoman <laughs> costume because nothing is going to be that bad ever. I know, but she's a trooper. You know what? Because I know the producer of that movie and he, like, to this day, like, we always, once for, like, a, for my birthday, he gave me, like, a limited <gasps> edition Catwoman figurine because oh he was like, here, I don't want it in my office anymore. <laughs> but he was also, like, he apparently, like, she got really mad about the costume. She ended up wearing it for yeah. whatever reason because that's what, like, so she's, like, a trooper, but, like, oh, my God. Like Sharon Stone is also amazing. At that point? Isn't that her? One of her yes. Posts? It was like right okay, after. Okay, so she yes. hated the costume, has an Oscar, and still put the costume on. She had the bad luck of winning an Oscar, having all this power, and doing a superhero movie before superhero. Like it seemed like Hollywood movies really figured out right. the sort of the 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 machinery of the yes. Marvel movie. Yes, I think. I don't yeah. know. I think you're right. Yeah, because like. Ben Affleck's Daredevil was right around that time too, and they didn't. Yeah, and Jennifer Garner did that horrific Electra, Electra movie. Yeah. Oh my god! <laughs> Nay, like Nay has that look finger. like she has like the I have thoughts face. It's okay. It they're so late. Like literally, I'm still thinking about Ellen Pompeo. I oh, it's okay. I would really love to what, know what no, you want yeah, to share. Yeah, I want to know about what Ellen you want to share about her too. We're so it's it was so long ago. I just sometimes white women who have children who aren't white say really ridiculous things. Oh, so, oh I mean, bring it up. Yeah, see, I don't know anything about this. Um, and so I think she was getting really lauded and appa- applauded for uh, just kind of doing some basic good white people shit. Like, okay, you know, and I think I I also too naturally want to congratulate and like appreciate 
white people who do things that all white people should be doing anyway. Right. <laughs> so if a white person's like, actually, no, this is my platform and I have too much privilege and I want to leverage that in a way. Like, I know we all are like, hell yeah, like that's so rad. But sometimes I feel like people just get like too big of a cookie for that. What's kind of like what um, we were talking about last week about people being lauded for just accepting queer people. Yeah. Yeah. So I get you. Okay. I'm glad you brought that yeah. up because I was kind of doing that. Well, I mean, and, that, and, and, and like, I'm like, I don't know her. So like, you know, that's fine. I think, you know, we can do that. But, um, and then I was thinking a lot about Halle Berry. I was thinking about losing Isaiah. I was thinking about <gasps> Monsters Ball. She's so good in that too. She's, and even in Kidnapped where it's like, this movie is absurd. I just, I'm so into her yeah. that because See, she's these, in I it. I don't need to say any of these things. It's just what I'm over here thinking. I'm like she, nodding while all of you are talking. I nearly directed a Halle Berry movie. Yeah. Which one? Yeah. Uh, it was a shark movie. I think it's called Red Tide or something. Oh, I don't know that Black one. Dark, that. Dark Tide. Like, okay. Yeah, it was one of the low-budget shark movies. So I was in negotiations to, to direct. So I was sent the script, liked it. I like shark movies, so I thought, I'll do a shark movie. And um, talked to the producers. They love me. All the kind of crap you have to go through to direct. Uh-huh. It's a, a, a low to mid-ranking director like me, so you have to go through all the poops all the time. And so you have to have a conversation with Hallie, and she's going to love you. So you can go and do them. It's like, great, I get to go to South Africa and do a shark movie. Always wanted to do one. And then they're like, oh, no, no, she doesn't want the conversation with you. She met a director friend of hers in the supermarket and offered him the job. Oh, my God. And oh my you're God. not doing it now. And this was recent, right? Because I feel like no, I remember like that four, movie three, four being years announced. Ago. Yeah. Three, four years ago. It's, uh, it's came, it's went. It's it, the whole it did thing. get made. Oh, it got made. Okay. Yeah, I've never seen it because obviously sour grapes. Yes. But um, <laughs> But it was so, it was like, it was like oh, just went, just like that. <laughs> like, oh, I'm going to get, no, I'm Because of Whole Foods. I'm probably Whole Foods. They didn't specify the store. Erewhon. But I got to like a hundred dollars per item. Erewhon. Erewhon makes Whole Foods look cheap. Right. Okay, closing thoughts on you before we wrap all this up. Penn Badgley's chest hair is not in it enough. There's a character named Peach Salinger. Great. And also, the director in question of Barry is Maggie Carey. Thank so, you. Wonderful. There we go. Maggie Carey. So, um, before introducing this week's film, MJ actually had picked another film to discuss. And I don't think mm-hmm. I had told either of you. Um, and I, I thought it would be nice to bring it up because okay. we couldn't find a copy of it. No, it's pretty obscure. Watch it. um, and I think it's a, I, I looked up, I did some research on mm-hmm. it. MJ came out as trans 2016. I guess, yeah. What year is it now? 19? 19. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, that makes yeah. sense. <laughs> and um, Where I don't I? remember anything before then. So, like, <laughs> Where like, am I? Who are you? <laughs> exactly. It's year one. <laughs> and the, the, the film you had initially picked um, seemed very close to you. Yes. And so I thought I, I, I kind of wanted you to just bring it up because, oh, okay. A, the title's amazing. And B, it sounds yeah. fascinating, but we couldn't find it. Okay. Well, yeah. I apologize for bringing something obscure. Okay. Yeah. So I, I think the, First of all, I came out as trans in 2016, so I, I, I look like a girl, but I sound like a dude. That's my problem right now. So I was nervous about doing a podcast because I don't like what I sound like. I think you sound fabulous. Thank you. Yes. Um, so, well, I don't. I, I think don't, you sound classy. Oh well, because I'm English, so yeah. it's just like oh, <laughs> by default I sound better than I really yeah, am. There you go. Um, so the movie's called Man on High Heels. Um, it's a Korean movie. Um, I don't want. I don't know what the actual Korean title is, but that's the translation I was given. Um, and it's about a badass cop in Seoul. It's not a named city, but in, in clearly Seoul, who is the epitome of masculine power. He kicks ass. He takes down the gangsters. Everybody reckons this, this, this is alpha male number one. Um, but he's trans and he doesn't know how to get out of this male archetype stereotype he's created for himself. 
um, and carry on being a good person and being a good cop. And the, the sort of the shame that he, she feels, um, and the journey that she goes on whilst kicking ass, spilling blood and doing all the very best action sequences I've seen in a long time, uh, kind of really spoke to me. So, um, I got the rights to it. I'm going to remake it. Are you really? What? Yeah. Okay. That's cool. Amazing. Yeah. It looks so good. I am so, really glad I know. Yeah. It's uh, it was, <laughs> well, the story is, so I was a producer friend of mine, a producer friend of mine called found out that I was transitioning and said, uh, Hey, congratulations, MJ. Haven't spoken to you for years. I have a property here that I think you'd be interested in and man on high heels, never heard of it. Um, and I, and I sort of looked at, read the synopsis and the synopsis I read wasn't anywhere near as eloquent, as deep as I just gave you. Um, <laughs> it was just like, you know, trans cop. And I thought, Oh geez, it's going to be like the Walter Hill movie, you know, with Michelle Rodriguez. <laughs> reassignment oh or whatever that was yeah. called oh lord it's horrible right as a trans person you watch that and you go shit no i, I don't want to get involved in that kind of world but so i didn't watch it for months and months and months and they kept nagging me and said please watch it i think it'll speak to you and so i finally watched it on a plane and i thought oh shit this is this is me this is my story because i traded in a certain level of masculinity and kick-assness and alphaness you know, beard and muscles and hanging out with fighters and soldiers and all those kind of things, which I still do, um, but created the fictional version of what I thought a super alpha guy should be. Mm. And that's what this guy's story is, or this trans woman's story is. I thought, okay, I can do that because I play in the genre space, which I love, which is action movies, and at the same time do a story of something which really matters to me. And that's kind of, it's going to be hopefully my, 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 my one trans movie. That's I fantastic. I don't want to kind of get trapped in that world, but it's like, shit, I can... I can I know the character. Well, congratulations. Well, let's say I've got to write the script first so, <laughs> and finance it and cast it and all the other things that go oh, with that. Right, but, I'll tell know, you that. Like, we're a really years. long way away. <laughs> you know. I'll come and talk to you in two years' time when we finally do it. <laughs> or I've lost the rights again. Oh, stop. <laughs> so, yeah, but that, that was something I'd like to talk about. And I think if you can find it, I mean, it's really obscure, really hard to get a hold of. Right. Right here, but it's also a really good piece of filmmaking. Great. So, all right. There and, you go. Uh, what did you bring instead? Yeah, I brought Silence of the Lambs. Uh, some poem <laughs> on film. Oh, you know, that one. <laughs> that little, do anyone even remember that, that little remembers that movie? <laughs> I, I mean, you know, yeah. another hard thing. to get hold of piece. Um, but yeah, because I wanted to do something which, again, dealt with trans issues. But in Silence of the Lambs is a much harder piece to talk about in any kind of... What do you mean? Glib, <laughs> in a kind of glib, offhand kind of way. That is, that's, a, that's a tough one. Particularly... When I watched it, obviously before I came out, nobody knew how I felt, and I mean, I knew how I felt. And there are certain scenes in that movie where you just kind of go, oh, "I'm fucked," you know, yeah. because the, the the temperature around trans issues kind of changed a little bit for a while. Mm-hmm. And the movie, obviously, is an exemplary piece of filmmaking in every single way. Yes, um, and even its psychological profiling is correct, and all the issues, the, all of the approach to the killers and their pathologies is correct but it doesn't make it any easier as a trans person to watch it and see what you see. Yeah. You know, so, mm. yeah. Well, well, on that note, should we uh, yeah, just queue up the trailer? Queue up the trailer. Actually, we have, like, I literally, I asked Michael, what clips do you want? And so now I know clips. exactly how Kesha's feeling because boys were blowing up my phone, specifically Michael, mm-hmm. with a list of every scene so in the movie. So many clips. I was so, like, can we just play the movie for two straight yeah. hours and we just listen to it? Honestly, because of the volume of clips, I'm opting out of the trailer. Oh, and also, okay. y'all have seen Silence of the Lambs. It's Silence of the Lambs. Yeah. Okay. Right, so I guess but we're also, just going to skip it. 20 years old. 27. Oh, yeah. please don't Older. say that. It came that out makes in 91. Me came 20, out in 91. That makes me the age I am. February 91. <laughs> so it'll be 28. Okay. Amazing. So the assumption that people have seen it, anybody... 
it's true. Just, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's it, it, these movies were a generation ago. I'm sure there's some monster Generation Z listener who's like, I've never seen it. <laughs> I know you're out there listening. I hate you. Yeah, like, they're, they're, they're going, oh, I like Red Dragon better. Yeah, exactly. Oh, <laughs> yeah. oh you mean Red Dragon? Yeah. <laughs> I had to put a shout out to Manhunter, by the way, which I actually think is a better movie. But it's a great film. Manhunter is so good. It's the that's the one that made me. Oh shit! That's a that that's that's Hannibal Lecter. Mm. Right. Mm. Great film, Michael Mann. You betcha. All right. Well, shady summary. Nay. Cracking over and Clear your throat. I have woman works with and for lots of men. How sad. Accurate. MJ. Uh, Lepidopterist gets wildly carried away. <laughs> All right. All right. Mark? Um, my shady, because I do love this film very much, okay. I find it difficult to be shady about, despite whatever issues it may have, um, I do love it dearly. And it is a movie that I, if it comes on television, I cannot stop watching mm-hmm. it. Um, so I realized that in 1991, um, Vanessa Williams um, <laughs> <laughs> Save the Best for Last <laughs> came out. And so I composed a little song to the tune. Oh my God, another song. Yes. <clears throat> Do you know this one? Nay, you ready? Okay. Multiple Migs comes on your face. Isn't this world a crazy place? <laughs> Starling and Lecter. I got it somewhere to be, actually. I'm just really, is, is, that, is that the time? <laughs> Starling and Lecter will always stand because it's the silence of the land. <laughs> Why do I choose to go after <laughs> him <really> every week? <laughs> <sighs> Minus Jody makes the lamb stop screaming. <laughs> um, <laughs> Accurate. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this movie. Um, you know what you could do? You could actually just re-edit this so that he does come last. <laughs> you really could. Um, all right, so just some little little facts. Silence of the Lambs do. was written by <laughs> no. Ted Talley based on the novel by Thomas Harris, directed by the amazing Jonathan Demme. Starred Jodie Foster, Anthony Hopkins, Scott Glenn, Ted Levine, Anthony Heald, Cassie Lemons, and Brooke Smith. Music by Howard Shore, which I think is an important part of the movie. Um, I love him. It's such a great score. <laughs> and I'm sure a lot of our listeners know this, but it's actually Go one of only... for Howard Shore. <laughs> Go on. It's actually one of only three films to win the big five at the Oscars, which is Best Picture, Director, Actor, Actress, and Screenplay. It won the Adapted Award that year. And was also the last film to do that. Anyone know what the other two movies were? Uh, one Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Correct. And... Gone with the wind? It happened one night. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so long titled movies win the big five. Yeah. Um, so, Silence of the Lamps. There's a lot to discuss. And I don't even really know where to start because <laughs> the entire movie, there's like no, like, there's no minute wasted. I feel like every second of the film is laying the foundation for everything that comes after it. And it even starts with the Orion pictures. Was that the title card? Yes. Mm-hmm. And the theme, the Sansa lamb theme starts right away, which is a big part of the movie. 
Um, Brennan, did we pull any of that music or no? Yes. I wanted to play some of Howard Shore's music because I feel like it's a character in the film. So we don't have to have a discussion about it. I just want to hear it. <laughs> I think it captivates the mood it. of the I, movie. I have the soundtrack. I used to listen to the soundtrack and it's way too disturbing just to listen to it as a piece of entertaining music. <laughs> He's just going, no, I can't write to this. I can't do anything to this. I want to... You want to like listen and like let it carry you. To a very dark place. Yes. <laughs> You can keep talking. Just, yeah. just play a little So bit. actually, yeah. the music that we're playing right now is actually a really interesting part. And um, I actually, watching it for the show, um, I never really looked at this more than anything than just the opener. But I hadn't seen the movie in a while, and I've seen it probably a million times. But starting it off by having her do an obstacle course. It made me realize that I feel, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like Demi right away was trying to say, it's 1991, right? Mm-hmm. Your main character is going to be a woman. She's going to be, as Nay kind of said, working with all men. I'm showing you right away that she's tough, that she can do what all these men do. Um, she's focused. She's focused. She is strong. And I just, I don't know. I just wondered if there's a conversation there because it really hit me this time seeing it that it, to me, it was more than just some opening, cool opening. Well, one of the things that I love is that that sequence of, you know, the demonstrating her power, demonstrating her focus is juxtaposed with when she's called to Crawford's office. Uh, there's a great shot of her getting into the elevator and everyone in yep. it is so much taller than her. They're all wearing red, I believe, too. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. And it's such a great moment that, um, you know, like you sort of alluded to, like there's not really like a wasted moment in this movie and every every single scene offers some kind of insight into uh, you know, the humanity or the struggle of the people involved, even the, the most horrific ones. I mean, like my, uh, Silence of the Lambs is brilliant for a lot of reasons, but one of my favorite ones is when it, Starling finally gets into James Gum, James Gum's house and finds Catherine Martin. And she's like, FBI, you're safe. And then, <laughs> Any chance. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> She's like, you stay, you be quiet. I'll be right back. And Catherine Martin's like, no, you fucking bitch. Get back here. He's crazy. He's going to kill you. Like, get get back here. And the fact that the movie, any other movie would have been like, oh, thank God you're here. Please be careful. I like, whatever. And Catherine Martin is like, no, fuck you. Get me out of this <laughs> fucking fuck well. out of this well. And the fact that the movie is willing well. to be that on, it's like, it's such a throwaway thing. And it's such a great tension reliever of that incredibly upsetting sequence. That line has always stood out to me. And I love that line because it is a throwaway, but it also clearly, to me, it's like the movie's so smart, even in those moments. Yeah. It, it's a true reaction. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's true to her character because Catherine Martin is really strong, I think, too. And she's outspoken even as, you know, she's like just even the minute of her like singing along to Tom Petty alone. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, you can tell she's a, a, a person that like embraces herself. God damn it. I love Brooke Smith. Um, also on Grey's Anatomy. And... Um, <laughs> So yeah, I look at it as more than a throwaway line. I look at it as like the, the movie knows the character and Demi knows what he's doing. Mm-hmm. Like and Ted Talley knew what he was writing and Brooke Smith knew what the fuck she was portraying in that yeah. moment. We're getting all the good stuff out of the way. I yeah. Think, what we're doing. But I bring that up because there's, you know, there's an interesting way to look at it is, you know, is the story about 
you know, is there a way to look at it as like, there's a lack of a female perspective because there's only one female that the movie is really focusing on, or is it a study in the lack of upward mobility for women in law enforcement? So what is the movie saying there? Do you guys have any thoughts? I mean, there's a moment in the funeral parlor where Crawford won't talk to her in front of the sheriff, Mm -hmm. you know? So nay. MJ, Mark? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, because I think it's, I mean, as you, you refer to a few visual motifs where she's always dwarfed by the men around Yes. Her, and that recurs many, many times, many times, the whole thing. And I think it, to a certain extent, it's, it's about somebody finding strength in the face of all those obstacles, which, you know, the obstacle course at the beginning is a beautiful illustration of that. And I, I, but there's, there's a way, I mean, for, for me, obviously Jodie Foster is such a strong actress yes. and she brings so much depth to this whole thing and the journey of, her psychological truth through the whole thing to a place where she can confront her own fears and put those to bed in, in, in the face of Lecter and those things. But it just, it, every, everybody has this truth. I think you've got to go back to Thomas Harris's novel a little bit as well because his, he nails the character. I mean, Ted Talley did an incredible job of... Yes, uh, of, condensing. Uh, condensing and yeah. adapting and taking. But Harris's stuff, he just kind of understands the nature of the pathologies of individual people whether you're a serial killer or you're a cop, law enforcement or FBI, whatever it's going to be. And I think Jodie Foster takes us on this journey in an extraordinary way. Mm-hmm. I, think you're, I think you're right. Is it, is it whether the thesis is woman trying to find her strength in a man's world? You know, that, I mean, was that an, I don't know that that's an underlying thesis of the piece, but I think you can draw, it, draw from it yeah. very easily. I mean, in, in lesser hands, it's just a scary serial killer movie, right? right? Of yeah. which there were millions subsequent to this. Taking Lives, starring Angelina Jolie. <laughs> bone Collector. No, the, the Bone Collector. The Bone Collector, right? That's being, a, that's being made. Which completely show. failed to understand. There was a guy in my college dorm that we called the Bone Collector. Moving on. Wow. <laughs> right. Where did he Slightly different, I suspect. He was, delect- he was collecting different kinds of bones. <laughs> oh, you did say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, but also, you know, the, the cinematography, the framing, all this kind of, there's lots of places in the movie where the, ordinarily when you're shooting a dialogue sequence, it's like an over the shoulder. And yes. a, but they're so close to the lens oh, when they're talking so to you. So amazing. Really, so it's, it's an, it's, they're weird cuts because they're literally talking to you yeah. and it draws you in and engages you in such an extraordinary way. I would never, like, I would never do that. Well, I know, right? uh, I remember seeing a behind the scenes thing and I think, was it Demi or Ted Talley? One of them admitted that the genesis of Hannibal Lecter looking directly at the camera was yeah. actually Anthony Hopkins' choice. Because right. they kept telling him initially, like, you're looking into lens. He goes, Lecter would look into the camera yeah. because the camera to him is like, it's a brain or something. Like, yeah. like it was a psychological choice that he said Lecter would right. do. But even, even the secondary characters, there's, there's a scene when she first goes into the... Um, into the, his sub, his weirdly gothic subterranean world, so which great. I always well, I always thought that was like a bizarre ch- choice. Yes, so so overtly gothic in its art direction. Um, but the note, but when um, the big the big guard is warning her, he's he's speaking to us. I mean, that's so close to being straight down the barrel. Uh, you got, Barney, yeah, Barney. There yeah. you go. He's also the only actor who ca- who's in all three movies. Yep, yep. I believe as well. Yeah. Some was weird. weird yeah, Frankie Faison. Yeah, uh, it is Frankie Faison. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, so he's kind of the only continuity figure in the whole thing. Uh, but just they're just talking so directly to us. And, and remember watching on the, we all watch it on the TV, but when the big screen, when oh, people first imagine? experience I've that, seen it on a big screen yeah, at the Arclight. Dwarfing you. You know, you feel the, so small yeah. in a giant theater at the Arclight. Yeah, I've yeah. never seen it on the big screen. It's, I've seen it once. It was like two years yeah. ago. They were playing it during Halloween. It was like 
But also there's a world of difference now between directing for uh, theatrical and for TV. And almost everybody now does it for Netflix or whatever. And we go, oh, you've got big screen TVs. It's not the same. Nope. Framing for the for a thirty five foot screen no, I, or even an IMAX. I different. yelled at listeners a couple of weeks ago because I <laughs> because I said if you watch Roma on your fucking TV, I'm gonna fucking come to your house and slap it. <laughs> you have wow, to I'm watch surprised it. you have time for this conversation. I <laughs> I know. I well, what am I doing here? I know. I should be. Out There's a whole list slapping people. Um, it's yeah. No, I. It's so true. And what? I hate that I have not gotten the yeah. opportunity to see this. I'm on sure. They'll, I'm hopefully they'll do it again because. It's yeah. so amazing to see. And I'm glad you brought that up because I actually watching it this time, every scene Clarice and Hannibal share, uh-huh. it starts wide and, and big in. and it just gets, it's amazing to yeah. watch it with that like thought process while you're, it just gets tighter yeah, and tighter and tighter till at the end of every one of their scenes, it's literally their entire head is the entire screen. Yeah. And it's just like it's intense. Yeah, yeah. It's such an intense, and it's a and it's a really bold choice, if you ask me. Yeah. Because if you don't have good actors, you're just looking at two clowns at that point. <laughs> I think he knew he had good actors. That's what I'm saying. I think he knew that he was playing with some some top top material yeah. right there. Speaking of the like the clown version, has anyone ever seen the French and Saunders spoof? No, silence? I have. Not for a long it's time, amazing. Yeah. We're Don French as Hannibal Lecter. <laughs> yeah. Yes. In like the basement it's of Jennifer the BBC. Saunders, Clarice. Yes, and she's amazing. <laughs> she does like the chewiest Clarice Starling dialect you've ever heard in your life. It's amazing. Uh, um, that's so great. And she talks about how she she won some bafters. <laughs> like, <laughs> she, she won a bafter. It's like it's amazing. So is it, it's I mean, on YouTube. Is it, is it completely heretical to think, to say anything about Anthony Hopkins being wildly over the top as Hannibal Lecter? I mean, he says he was channeling Catherine Hepburn, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mm. um, I mean, clearly, I it. like everyone loves it and it's fine. But uh, give me, give me Brian Cox's Hannibal. Lecter. I mean, yeah, I like I'm more fr- in, in Manhunt. I'm, I'm far more frightening, mundane serial killer. You know, I very mean, different. Very different. Very different. Um, I don't think. I mean, I'm sure a lot of our audience has seen it, but it's such an underseen Manhunter, such yeah, an yeah, underseen yeah, yeah. film. And that came out in what '86. Yeah, very early mm-hmm. Michael Mann movie. Yeah, and it actually, if it wasn't for that movie, we wouldn't have the Silence of the Lambs that we have because it did so poorly that yeah. De Laurentiis sold the rights to Silence of the Lambs to Orion for like a dollar. Oh, is that how that works? Yeah, because he was gonna do. He was planning on doing the two movies, right? Two books. And Manhunter made like $6 million. Yeah. So he's just like, this is a lost property. Go ahead. And then they turn it into what they turned it into. Isn't that crazy? Wow. Yeah. Uh, poor, poor, poor business and, decisions. Yeah. Um, Careers have been made. In <laughs> but there's a little clip I wanted to play that kind of touches on the theme themes or themes that I brought up about um, Clarice looking so small. Mm-hmm. And I love this little moment in the car with Crawford where she kind of puts him in his place very subtly, but she also says exactly what she's thinking, and I just thought it would be nice to play in here. When, when I told that sheriff we shouldn't talk in front of a woman, that really burned you, didn't it? It was just smoke, darling. I had to get rid of him. It matters, Mr. Crawford. Cops look at you to see how to act. It matters. Point taken. Mm. Nay. God damn it, I love this movie. Point the, like the, the, what's that? Point taken. <laughs> yeah, I know that's right. <laughs> Lord. But he's listening. That's good, right? Yeah. No, he, like, yes. I mean, look, it's. Yes, here's your cookie. 
I just like her. Do you not do you not think for nineteen ninety one that was actually pretty pretty no. far ahead of his oh, time? Absolutely. I mean shit. I was like six years old, so I didn't <laughs> <laughs> like nobody was listening to me. Um I just like her like I think a lot of people, whether women, men, whoever, in that situation would have been a little docile because it's your superior. And I love that yeah. she's just kinda like, it matters what you say in front of me. Absolutely. You know? I mean, I think, well, what I was struck with so hard this time watching it, I don't think I've watched this movie since being a grown up with a job okay. <laughs> and, and realizing how much code switching you do as an adult, uh-huh. um, depending oh, God, on who you work, with, you work with, you know? <laughs> and so I was thinking, especially in the opening sequence, her in the elevator, her walking by men and they're all just like, and they're like doing yeah. guns and like cleaning their guns and stuff. Yeah. yeah. And I don't, I don't know. It made me feel like I can never have a job because I just don't want to code switch ever again. <laughs> I was like, I don't want to have to walk on eggshells be, and tell someone, oh, it matters. And that's it. I just, want to, I just want to go straight the fuck off on people. And I, yeah. So. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah. I get you. And scene. And scene. I will die poor. But I just, yeah, I definitely for 1991, of course, that is a major uh, a brand new vibe i i think that even even now that it's <sighs> scary to ever speak out in a way when you fear the people around you are not on the same page or like don't even know the book um yeah, so, speaking to the i mean to the core of what the movie is i'm sort of thinking about it on my feet a little bit but she's selected at the beginning because she is weak and vulnerable and supposedly not very good right so that she would be an easy piece of prey for Lecter to play with and it turns out that she's much stronger and more capable and all the other things so she's she's chosen for all the wrong reasons. she's chosen for the wrong yeah. reasons and becomes the absolutely the right person for reasons that only she knows about herself which i think is a great journey for and actually hannibal knows too well, he, yeah, he identifies yeah. it pretty quickly. Ooh, yeah. He knows everything. Well, he, Isn't that great? But, well, he, but the thing is, he, he's a, he, he he's latches a on to her, like, there, there's a purity about her in the sense that, not the typical dumb, like, purity, like, female purity, no, but no, rather, no. like, there's a purity in that, what I love about the writing, I mean, I certainly understand, like, what sort of, like, irks you or, like, makes, reminds you of what annoys you in, in your life about that scene, but at the same time, I, I think it's certainly in 1991 and even today still, the idea of a woman who's willing to just simply say to her boss, no, no, that, that actually wasn't right. And him going, Oh, okay. I understand what you mean. That that's like, not, I, I mean, it's embarrassing, but like I was listening to that it's clip and I was like, Oh, I, I remember this moment, but I forgot about it. And I was like, wow, that's not stuff you hear much and it was- <laughs> in, in storytelling. And it's so effortlessly weaved into the movie that I almost like take it for granted. I don't know. Well, and every, like I, I think I've I said earlier, like every line and minute is just really thought out. And I feel like it's such that, that line of dialogue for me, you can see it being built to that 40 minutes earlier, just with her performance and the way it's written and how each scene builds off the last, like it really is a true case. I think personally, whatever people think of the movie is one thing, but it really is a true case of like technical perfection in screenwriting. Yes, absolutely. And the way no second, like each scene, there's no fat whatsoever in the meat of the movie. Mm -hmm. Like, because it plays, well, it plays to the notion that every character, no matter how secondary has a journey. So it plays to Crawford's journey. 
uh, Ardelia. His hopeful awakening of realizing that he made a, made bad choices has been treating incorrect people incorrectly, particularly the women in his command. Yeah, uh-huh. and it, like that's a really good point that you just made too about each character because Ardelia's in three scenes, and I watched it. I actually watched it today. And forgot she was only in three scenes because she's such a presence yeah. to me in my memory of this film. Yeah. Um, the science guys, they're like in two scenes, but they everyone has like a moment that really, really matters. It's perfection in casting as well. It really is. You know, there's nobody miscast in this movie. I will go back to think that Anthony Hopkins is a little bit hot, but other than that, it's... Speaking of casting, Gene that Hackman... That is one hot take, by the way. <laughs> to like talk about Silence of the Lambs and be like, I don't know, he's okay. <laughs> Did you know Gene Hackman was initially... Like Crawford or Lecter? Lecter. Get out of here. He wanted to do the book really bad, and then I forget why he dropped out, and then the filmmakers really, really, <laughs> really wanted Michelle Pfeiffer. So can I you imagine mean, a Michelle maybe. Pfeiffer and Gene Hackman, Silence of the I Lambs? I cannot imagine <laughs> <a> Gene Hackman, <laughs> Silence of the Lambs. And Pfeiffer turned it down because she thought it was I his liver with some fava beans. Yeah. I can't do that. How do you do Jim ha- Gene Hackman? You can't. Yeah, you just are are you dis- disrespecting Gene Hackman right now? No. <laughs> Never, Royal Back the fuck off, right? I would never. <laughs> I love Gene Hackman, but come on. No, I would have watched that movie. I would see the Gene Hackman. That'd be like a good experiment, but. Listen, Popeye, Popeye Doyle for life, okay? <laughs> but. Really? I of Tenenbaums, but there we go. Oh my God, he's fabulous in that too. But Michelle Pfeiffer, I could see. I could see it. I mean, she would ha- convey that vulnerable quality, I think, in the beginning too. But I don't know. It's just like. Jodie Foster's so perfect. Jody's, I can't imagine Jody's, anybody else. That's I mean, why it's... Hannibal sucks, the movie. Like, I <gasps> love Julianne Rude. Moore. I oh, it's such really... a, so a multitude of reasons. It doesn't come... I mean, there's many reasons, there's but so I many. love Julianne Moore, but it's 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 just not I, the same character. I how, did love, her, how did her agent say, hey, you do, you, you do this role? I love the banana pants rat fuck <laughs> that is Hannibal. I mean, I, yes. <laughs> yes. I, banana pants rat fuck. Is it is <laughs> insane. It is insane yes. from beginning to end. But it's and I love it. I mean, I, I enjoy it. Love it. It, makes, it. It's not it a good ends movie. with like a Nancy Myers movie gone berserk <laughs> where he's feeding Ray Liotta his own brains and there's food out in of the kitchen, like, so out of a, like a restoration movie. hardware vision. They're out of a fucking She's in Gucci. He's like, I brought you bar. Gucci to wear. It's crazy. It is not Ridley Scott's finest hour. Listen, it also has Gary Oldman in a star performance as Mitch McConnell. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I had to take a few seconds to put that image together. It is, yeah. He oh, is amazing. Are you speaks like what is the way? You're he doing said? it. He's so good. He's like, oh, I got what I like a uh. popper, and I said, what I? It's so <laughs> disgusting. He's so lecherous and so revolting. It is a creepy crawly skin, Everything. like skin, skin loosening movie. Oh, what's your position it's on the scene where he flips her hair from a carousel? Oh, I mean that's a little cool. It's what? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> the whole movie is just crazy. It is. It's it is. like it is. It I'm is not denying that. It sounds it's like you watched it more movie. than once. Oh, <laughs> listen, listen. When that movie comes on, and <laughs> when that movie comes on, um, <laughs> it's objectively on terrible filmmaking in every way. I, but. But Dick, surely you have some guilty pleasures where you're like, I know this movie is bad for me. I know that it's junk food and I'm going to eat the whole bag. Mark, no one's denying that. I know, but I'm just looking at me <laughs> no, like. No, no. like <laughs> no I, I only eat, watch Nourishing. I'm sure. <laughs> Come on. I've never seen a bad movie in my life. Yeah, no, but I mean, like for me, because Silence of the Lambs, Manhunter Silence of the Lambs, and then you go, everything after that is shit. Because it seems like nobody understood why those two movies worked so well. 
particularly Silence of the Lambs. Everyone, oh, it's all about Hannibal. No, Evil Caged is more interesting than Evil Free. Yeah. The moment you let Hannibal out of the box, you ain't an interesting character anymore. They try to feed him to pigs <laughs> in Hannibal. Like, that's crazy. <laughs> it's so, in- it's so objective. Give me Mr. Insane. Wu's pigs in Deadwood anytime. Those are the um, pigs I want have, eating me. Have you read the book, Hannibal, though? Because It will, ends with yeah, them running also, off yeah, together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I will stand right? with so you on the cuckoo go nuts of the book because yeah. that's, it's glorious. It's lush. It's wonderful. Hannibal Rising is also. Okay cuckoo banana pants but it has the, the, the it has the delightful again it has the del- oh my god Look, you jumped yeah. on me for like jason goes like to hell and we're gonna talk about <laughs> and they listen if jason goes to hell had gaspar Uriel in it i might like okay. it a little better but listen you're not about to sit here and tell me that like hannibal rising is as bad as jason goes to hell i i'm just i'm not i'm not here for this i'm i quit the show goodbye everybody wow wow no i'm still here see you you needed a tiny bit of silence there to make that even begin to work, by the way. <laughs> no. That gag didn't work because you carried on talking. You went, I'm leaving and you carried on talking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that is my problem. <laughs> Should I do some fully work? Uh, like, yeah. Fully work? <laughs> Bye, guys. That's, uh, you know what? That's gonna, that's a, that would have been better. Okay. I like, look, you know, those bad sequels and the silence in, in the, the lector verse, okay, oh, are like my children of the corn. <laughs> I didn't like the Children of the Corn movies. I just watched them. Well, they are total guilty pleasure for me. Okay. Pod fight. Pod fight. (laughs) Nays like purple. They really have learned like a different shade of purple. (laughs) Oh, that was so funny to me. Which part? Nays laugh. Several, several, several. I love several that she parts. just hit the air. Yes. Ooh. <laughs> that was funny. Ooh, you're so funny. Our guest this week, top 10. Yeah. Whoa, whoa, just, you've only done 20 episodes. <laughs> and we've only had I eight barely guests. cracked 50%. Yeah, I mean, you're yeah, eight guests. You only had eight guests. guests. You sound like my school results. I said <laughs> what I said. Good for you. That's like, saying, that's like saying, you're alive. <laughs> you did it. Yeah. Thank you. Cause, cause <laughs> I want to be a Nays top 10. Ten anything, I'd take it if That's I were you. Um, yays, nays, yay or nay. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> so there's so so much right with Silence of the Lambs, and you know, I think I want to discuss what's wrong with Silence of the Lambs. Ooh, and, interesting to hear. What but, no, but no, I mean, I I want the group to discuss it. I don't think anybody's like dying to hear what I have to say about mm-hmm. it. Certainly, but well, I, I am the guest, so really, it should be me, right? Well, I mean, you know. Um, I was just going to say, I was going to seed the floor, as it were. Um, I'm just fucking with you. I know. Um, how dare you? <laughs> but I mean, what, what, what are the. <laughs> I just got my papers. I'll just be no, quiet. no, keep going. No, that's it. That's all I have to say. I mean, you know, we literally been jerking off over this movie for like a half hour. Now let's, you know. Let's start it off. What's wrong with it? <laughs> well, I, you know, um, the, the movie makes a half hearted. Mm. Ste- what? What was that noise? <laughs> you just literally, I was in the middle of a sentence and Nate just went, meow. <laughs> what? I said, um. Oh, I thought it sounded. I would never meow. <laughs> to oh me, it God. sounded like meow. Um, no night warning meows. <laughs> it, it, you know, it makes a half-hearted stab to differentiate between, and they use the word transsexual, mm-hmm. um, to say, no, tra- transsexuals are passive. You know? <laughs> they're, you know. No, they're docile. They're docile. They're docile. They're, docile. <laughs> they're passive. Um, but, you know, of course, James Gum is anything but 
Uh, and you know, I guess I certainly want to hear what you would have to say as a as clear a clear fan of the film and the mm-hmm. filmmaking. Yeah, you know what? I don't know. I just want to hear you talk about it. Well, because I think that what's interesting. Uh, okay, I'm gonna back this up a second because Jane Gum as a character is an amalgam of a bunch of real life serial killers. Yes, yes. and the Bad characters, um, Gacy, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. there's several. So all those, but several of whom included. Uh, cl- clearly issues with gender and right. sexuality and those kinds of things. So you can't blame anybody for saying, okay, that's real. Yeah. And particularly Thomas Harris, because he researches the shit out of this stuff. You know, whether you like his writing or not, his research and his kind of psychological assessments and use of pathology is is bang on the, on the money. Yes. So much as one could say the, the representation of a trans character in this is discomforting and reprehensible in so many ways to label James Gum as trans in the way that we were politically comfortable with now is, is faulty, in, is, is faulty <laughs> yeah. except that there are crazy people in every walks of life, right? Yes. Now, unfortunately, when you have, from my point of view, when I watched it as a, as a very much still in trans person, you know, it made my skin crawl because it's like, that's not me. That's not how I feel. I don't want to go out killing anybody and wearing their skins, right? Mm-hmm. But people clearly do in this in this world right now if we made if, if, if science lambs was about a character who didn't do that there would be no conflict right so it's like the filmmaking versus the uh, social responsibility element yeah. right so it brought this the trans characters to the foreground in a negative way right except that it kind of goes out of its way tries to say no no but it's just this is just a particular pathology right now we're not saying trans people are bad we're just saying this crazy trans character if indeed James Gunn was properly transgender, is 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 killing people. I don't. I mean, it, it's and it's an it's an entertaining movie and it's a fiction and it's it's doing all of these things that it's trying to be responsible and not too damaging to a, a, again nineteen ninety one a very small and little considered community. Um, I, but it made me very unhappy for a long time. Yeah. Um, but and and those images, and I don't know whether they burn themselves so profoundly into everybody else's psyche as much as me. But when you see a Ted Levine's performance, is fucking amazing. It's bonkers, great. I, did he get a nomination for best supporting I actor? Don't think because he, he should have got every damn. Because the nuance of what he's doing in terms of his the agony within himself to a certain extent, the internal there's, conflict. There's a couple of moments mm. where you see when he's, he's above the well and he's striking his dog and he's talking to her and you can see him like, I don't want to do this, but I have no choice. And it, that is amazing. Um, and then obviously there's a moment where he, you know, the, the, it's a very showy moment where he's naked and he tucks his penis between his yeah. legs and he does all that. He's like, and I did that, you know, you know, that's what you, that's how you want to visualize yourself mm. in a way, but to have it committed to the screen in such a dark, negative way. Mm. Sort of, every time I did that after that, it was like, oh, crap, I can't get this image out of my head. And I'm definitely not a serial killer. I think. (laughs) (laughs) Yet. Nay has brought up on the show before um, how representation matters. And Nay always just says everything better than I do. Um, But she mentioned how that's true. When it's when the <laughs> lone representation in a film is negative, mm-hmm. then the film is problematic. Because your lone representation of a group of people is negative. Right, but that presupposes that everything should have some kind of sanitized balance. Tell to me it. if I said it wrong, but 
Um, you know, I mean, I, I agree. I completely agree with you because there was no other conversation around about trans people in 1991 to balance it out with. It was, it was this and Basic Instinct. Yeah. I'm sure I don't even remember the Basic Instinct. Oh God, it's nuts. Okay, <laughs> it's so good. Yeah, we yeah <laughs> we we talked about that a lot for sure. I did, I don't think I said that it necessarily like automatically makes a film. Yeah, automatic, I, I don't mean to put words in your mouth. You, but you, again, you say everything vein, better than in me. that same vein. Like absolutely, we talked. It's like that's if that's the only yes. example we get like that just sucks yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah so it's that- like on one hand it's, it feels triumphant because it's like oh there's like someone like they're saying this out loud you know they're committing this to to the art and it's it's there forever and on the other hand it's like well this is the only trans person i've seen in a movie this year and they're circular right, right. I think right, so, but, I, but I, I, I mean, I'm not defending. I'm just, we're just this stuff is a discussion. Yeah, but open discussion. You know, Thomas Harris didn't make that character up, right? So it's not like he went out there and said, "Oh, how, what could the, what's the freakiest shit I can come up with?" Right, right. Even Ed Gein and these guys did this stuff, and all that the, the screenwriters and the filmmakers, everybody involved, did, and Ted Levine as well as the as the performer. They kind of embodied it in such a profoundly real and human way. But it became indelible. And you know, if the movie hadn't been successful, we wouldn't be having this conversation exactly. because it wouldn't have had the resonance. In it, but it still has resonance. Um, now, now, thank God, we're in a world where trans con- the conversation about trans people is, is very much in the air. And it's, hey, listen, it was easy for me to come out two years ago. Mm. I wasn't brave enough to do it back then. Um, not because of Silence for Lambs. It wasn't entirely that film's fault. Um, but, you know, it's, so it's like it's, a, it's based on a reality. And I'm, I'm very interested in you know psychology and criminality and things like that so i'm going this is a fantastically interesting representation of a person with a damaged psychology who clearly isn't what they think they are but is struggling to become something else Mm. and the dehumanization of of women in the process of wanting to become a woman if indeed that's what right james gunn wanted you know how fucked up is that and that's kind of the conversation and that's the scene at the end when she goes into his cellar and we see literally the kind of half-built Yes, women's skin suit. Body. I guess. Oh yeah. my god! I mean, like I, I, when I was watching it again recently to talk about this, it's like <gasps> yeah. I don't know what to do with that. Mm. It's like it's worse for me now than it was then. <laughs> you know? Yeah, um, yeah. So I don't know. I, I, I literally had no point, but I rambled. Sorry. No, no thank you. I mean, <laughs> several points were made. Oh, well, yeah. oh, good. <laughs> yes. I think sometimes I think that the the dream in terms of representation of of different identities is that there's enough out there that true equality will mean that you can have a representation like James gum in a film. And it won't mean anything in the sense that it won't, right. we won't have a conversation like this because there'll be enough out there because I, I agree that I don't think necessarily that you need to have like, I remember and the antidote. Well, like, say, for example, like, like <laughs> basic instinct, like is problematic as all get out in so many ways and, and is fabulous in so many ways. But like at the same time, part of its strength is the fact that Catherine Trammell is, is fully bisexual and has no, there's no like sweet, you know, sweet lesbian couple who live next door to be like, hi, we're just here to like balance things out. You know what I mean? There's something, <laughs> there's something bold about that, yeah. that like she's willing, like she's terrifying and alluring and fabulous. And, you know, so I guess, yeah. It, Cause the temptation would have been in some like silence of the lambs. And I guess maybe if it was even being done today, you'd yeah. go, 
okay, so the, 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 the conversation in the writer's room or the studio would yeah. be, oh my God, we've got to put a good trans character yeah. in here as well. Right. Exactly. So maybe Jodie Foster should go and meet a good oh trans character. No, yeah. seriously, to, to discuss the, is, the pathology, the pathology or of yeah. it. And that person will be great and balanced. And you go, oh, good people and bad people. Right, because you feel, right, because it, and you feel as an audience, you know when you're being spoon fed, is kind of something that, you know, most audiences I want to believe are intelligent enough to derive on their own. You know, like I, mm. I, I, I want to believe maybe mm-hmm. I'm being wildly naive, but you know, part of the power of silence is that it's willing or a movie like basic instinct problems though they may have. I wouldn't put the movies in the same. No, <laughs> no, no, definitely not. One is like a, Can you start legitimate- a new paragraph when you talk about this? completely. I, yes. <laughs> Tab paragraph. Thank you. Um, <laughs> but, but you know, there, there, there's a, but, but I think that sometimes it's like why it's why I treasure cruising too, in a way as talk about like the okay the yeah, yeah. daddy of all like problematic yeah. movies about gay men is that it's so, it's so just unwilling to sanitize or soften or whatever, like that I just go, I, there's so many problems with this movie and yet I respect the living fuck out of it for like being like, you know, it just went there. Hmm? It just decided to to do its thing. Yeah, because and, there's nothing wrong with that. And the other, well, yeah, and there's something there's something re- respectable about that because I don't want to say they didn't give a shit when anybody thought, but they're doing what they felt. You know, like you were yeah. just it's saying, pure to itself, yes, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. So there's from my from my take as a filmmaker, as an audience member, as a trans person, like there's nothing wrong with the representation of James Gomez Islands of the Lambs. Yeah. It's as good as it can ever be, right? Performance, writing, you know creepiness, mm-hmm. being a <laughs> villain in a mood, everything about everything. it is perfect, right? It just upset me because it was speaking to something in me which I really didn't want to address sure. and was also, I knew that I was like, that's a problem right there, right? Mm. But not for, not for the movie. The problem is a society's problem yeah. and the fact that the movie is so fucking successful, right? And to the 30, 27 years later, whatever it is, we're still talking about yep. this damn thing. So that's an indelible <laughs> thing. Broad, right? <laughs> You know, and the, you, there are still jokes about, you know, put the lotion on the thing. Right. They're still, they're still <laughs> right? Even, even more so than, and those are the creepy moments. Hannibal Lecter's character is such a pantomime villain and such an unrealistic portrait of any human being, right? And James Gums is creepy and fucking real, right? And that's much more frightening. And mm-hmm. I think, I think Anthony Hopkins' performance is great. And he's your neighbor. Yeah, you know, like yeah. living next to my name. My name is really nice. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's not mine. I'm, James I'm the scary right transgender door, person you know? living next to that one. That's what's wrong. <laughs> well, the, the thing that I really loved this last time I saw the movie is that they go into the psychology of every character, mm-hmm. and there's a psychological journey for every character. And to me, as a more mature person, um, that was the most fascinating aspect watching it this time was yeah. watching really for the first time, really focusing on Jody's psychology or Clarissa's psychology throughout mm-hmm. the film. <laughs> Jody's psychology. Jody's psychology. It's just Jody. <laughs> and, you know, she really lost herself in that role. Huh? <laughs> and like, God, she's good. You know, the, the fact that we are talking about it 28 years later and 28 years later and probably a hundred viewings, viewings later, I watched it through a lens. I've never watched it through before. Mm-hmm. It just—it is a fucking powerful movie, in that sense, to me. Anyway, mm. I'm an idiot. <laughs> nay, nay. What do you think? This is, thank you for coming to my TED talk. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm stupid. <laughs> but I just love her character. I just love her character so much. Like she has so and in, so much internal conflict the entire movie. Like her dad is hanging over her head the entire time. You know, is there's I was watching at this time thinking, is she looking at Crawford as a boss or as a father figure? Like mm-hmm. there's just so many things running through my head as I watch this movie, putting myself in her shoes. And her eyes tell a story the whole time, you know, like when she's talking the story, uh, telling the story about, and we do have the clip if we want to play it of her running away with the lamb. I actually started crying because I'm like, holy shit, this is a person like this isn't an actor right now. This is a human being telling a story about her truth as a child and what she had to live through. Like her running away th- with the lamb is probably the first instance in this character's life where she was maybe autonomous, like who she really was in that moment. She was embracing herself and also doing what she needed to do for her and not anybody else for the first time. So I just, I actually, I I cried during that scene. Thank you. Um, But we have that clip if you guys want to listen to it. But other than that, I don't know. Does anyone have anything else they want to bring up? I mean, there's so much to talk about. It's like, it is a rich and textured movie. Yeah. so many ways. I mean, like, so for me as a filmmaker, I admire it from the just the truth of lenses and shots, and you know, and every time I watch it, and, and Jonathan Demme's was such a a flexible filmmaker as well. Because if you look at the stuff that he did prior to this, you're never going to go, oh, he's definitely going to deliver Silence of the Lambs. <laughs> it's like, I, I'm going to read because I like the book first, and I go, Jonathan Demme's going to do Silence of the Lambs. I'm like, oh, okay. Oh, let's let's see what I mean. I liked his filmmaking, but I just didn't yeah. see that progression. Yeah, I think also to pour and pour one out for Jonathan Demme after Silence of the Lambs, he was on top of the world. He could do anything he wanted, and he chose to do Philadelphia, which is kind of unreal. I think in a way that, and also was um, parlaying the power into doing something so so important. It's yes. such an important film. It's a, a movie that that you know had. I think. I think. Ron Nice Runner script had kicked around for a little bit and mm-hmm. worked with a gay screenwriter, cast actual queer people around the film. There's like actual mm-hmm. queer bodies and faces and in that movie. And of course, you know, of course they cast movie stars as, you know, fine. Yes, of course. And I, sometimes this conversation drives me crazy. because like, what do you think movies are, you know, they're, you know people are investing 60, 70, 80 million dollars <laughs> into something. They're not going to cast a fucking nobody. Like, do you know, they want people to see it. Get over yourselves. But like he actually <laughs> cast... Like, he, he, I don't know. There's the, it, the fact that he parlayed his power mm-hmm. from this movie into an act of generosity for a community that he genuinely and cared about. A very important story. I think. Totally, it's, yeah. And it's, uh, you and I mentioned Philadelphia to each other in the past, Mark. And I think I told you. Um, I know this falls under like, okay, you get a cookie, I guess. Whatever. <laughs> Nay is looking at me like. I'm not looking at you any kind of way. You were totally giving me that these dumb boys are just talking about cookie stuff. <laughs> I'm sensitive today. Um, but what I was going to say is that but it was the first instance of me of seeing a gay couple just being a couple. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. loving and supporting and just being there for each other. And yes, there's like a message at the heart of the film and there's like an important topic at the, the heart of the film. But at the same time, it felt like it was just like, they're just a couple and they're there at the mm. same time too. And that was really important to me as a kid, like just seeing two people love each other and like standing by each other through mm. the worst of it. So, so that's my, like the, the most important aspect of Jonathan Demi's choice to follow up silence of the lambs. Yeah. Is, but also it speaks to the fact that knowing what he did with Philadelphia and in fact, all of his career, you know that the choices he made in silence of the lambs were not glib 
or arbitrary. Right. Right. He, I bet he would have had a conversation about how are we representing the minorities in this movie. Oh, he was upset by he, the fact that, that the, that the trans community was upset mm-hmm. by uh, Silence of the, the Lambs. Him, he was right? horrified by that. And yeah. I think it redoubled, it made him redouble his oh, efforts to get yeah. Philadelphia yeah. off the ground. So, you know, I don't the know. The movie's so rich. Like we had like the procedural element of Silence of the Lambs. Oh, is I love it. Unfucking real. Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, it grounds <laughs> it. It makes it because of this. So in, in contrast to, I say Manhunter, which is all style, very stylish, very very slick and stylish, and more of a movie movie. Yeah, the lighting in that movie is amazing. That was amazing. It's, it's beautiful so to look at, and, and if you haven't seen it, it's worth it's worth doing that. And the soundtrack is great. The yeah. Tangerine Dream. William weird. Peterson gives a great performance. It's amazing. Yeah. Top to bottom, uh, it's amazing. Yeah, God, that score is so good. It's it's brilliant, but it's not it's not real. You know, no point. It's like kind of creepy and a little bit kind of dreamlike, so it gets under your skin in that way. But the gothic nature of Silence of the Lambs and the grounded nature, the glimpses you get of the true horror mm-hmm. of what one human can do to another, driven by some pathology and some compulsion, where what I need is more important than your life. And those kinds of conversations, and that, 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 that's terrifying. I know? remember the first time I saw it, the part that I really was like, I have to pause this and walk away, was when she's in the well and she just starts screaming. Oh and my he God, looks yes. at her and he goes, oh, you know, and it's so banal and so kind of yeah. whatever. But it's like, is, and, he, is he trying to mimic? Yes, that's the thing. I know, exactly. Yeah. You can read it's it a lot like, of ways, but I remember just man. being like, nope. And I just like paused <laughs> it and like walked away. I think I was like, I, was, I don't remember yeah. how old I was. He does the thing. He says, he says what, what dress size are you or something? Oh, oh my God. Yeah. Are you about a size, size 14? Yeah. Oh. <sighs> I think we, only, we all need to have like a hot shower yeah. now. Airport no, cat not the together. Just a, Watching oh, her being oh. driven away. My cat was like, where did my mama go? Yeah. And I can never listen to uh, Tom Petty. <laughs> that cat was like, nobody moves furniture at night. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't helping out anybody ever. Yeah. <laughs> never. Yeah. I'm just going to stay over here in my window. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks oh. for the fancy feast, Catherine. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. She probably had three cans in her bag. She was nice. Um, uh. um, anyway. <laughs> That's a quite a note to go out on. So. <laughs> Does this movie get a pride float? <laughs> Does it? No. 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 Right. Talk to me about the criteria for getting one. It's just up to, if to your opinion. Oh, it's just, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Not like Does a, it warn a float in a pride parade in 1991 or in present day? Jesus, no. <laughs> See, easy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sometimes we make films do community service. Right. Like Sleepaway oh. Camp, that film has to do community service. <laughs> Definitely has. <laughs> yeah, I, I think Sleepaway that. Camp is like in reform school forever. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, Sleepaway Camp had to do time first. Then <laughs> it's it's just, yeah. Well, <laughs> I don't know. Um, we All right. Were, well, that concludes. I gotta say, well, that brought it to a grinding halt. Yeah. Right? Yeah. What do we think about the like the girl power in this movie? We haven't brought that up in a, in a discussion in a while. To me, it feels like. It's a, a very sincere kind of story of empowerment in the sense that it Clarice is a character who um, has such integrity and has such clarity of purpose and is she's unflappable and there's nothing there's no frills around it. It's just she le- the, the example that she sets is the is the power in watching her gain confidence as she goes along. I think 
as a viewer, at least whenever I watched it, that's always what I took away uh-huh. from her. Um, and um, yeah, like that's so, I mean, I guess I would say nay, any thoughts? it rates high, but I, uh, yeah, she reminds me of one of my aunts. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. And so I really, there is something so unflappable mm. and I think most of my life, I've thought that that was one of the my my like most sought out after personality quality. Mm-hmm. I'm like, please, I just want to look unflappable. Mm. I just want to look unbothered. In the midst of clearly being yes. bothered yes. is the great thing about the performance yes. as well. Like, there's no way she's not being flat. Right. Right. Like, what's that on my face right now? I'm flapped. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But, yeah, it's those quiet moments like yeah. when she's crying by the car. Yeah. Right oh. after that, oh. you know, or just yes. the moments of her, her face, just when she's imagining her father, seeing mm-hmm. little flashbacks of her life. Yeah. And just knowing she has to keep moving forward because mm-hmm. there's people's lives on the line and that she, I mean, whether it's a true interpretation or not, but that sense that she has a connection to a terrifying thing that nobody else has. Mm-hmm. And every fiber of her being is saying, sever this connection. This is damaging to you in every single way. But yeah, I can do good by putting myself in, in this psychological harm's way. Because you're always separated from Lecter by, well, most until the end, obviously. By glass. When, when, yeah, yeah, by glass and by, but she'll go back down into the, den- the dungeon. She'll face the devil all the time. And that's far more frightening. And, the, the, and as you say, being clearly being a turmoil of flapping and fear and being told that this is, the, and then to go, no, I have to carry on what I'm doing. Well, that's the brilliance of the performance too. Like when she's talking to him, at the end, their last essentially meet and greet where yeah. he's in that weird like cage. Yeah. Yeah. Meet and greet. I couldn't have any. Oh, I like that. But well, two things I want to bring up there. That was supposed to be uh, the whole, her whole monologue was initially a flashback. They were going to, they actually filmed it. Really? And because that was a of, horrible idea. So gone, 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 well, because yeah. of their, he, when he saw the dailies yeah. um, of their performances, he's like, just throw it away. Yeah. We're not, we can't cut from her. Yeah. We just got to stay on. Let's cut to a sheep. Yeah. Like a little <laughs> kid running with the sheep. But the thing I really, she's so good is like, you can hear the quiver in her voice, mm. that entire scene. Yeah. My favorite part of it. I listened to it today with head. I was watching the movie with headphones on is when she's talking about running with the lamb, trying to run with the lamb. Mm. And it was so cold and she didn't have food or water. You, the score at that moment is playing wind. Really. Like cold, you could tell it's just cold when I literally, that just happened. That happened to me. Like I felt like 30 degree weather just like mm. hit my entire body. Oh, wow. Super cool. So like I recommend, highly recommend watching the movie with a good pair of earbuds again, because the sound yeah. in that scene is unreal. I kept waiting to hear like a little, man. Well, <laughs> <laughs> but um, I appreciate the movie in that sense that, She's the hero, of course, Mm -hmm. but every key piece of information is figured out by her or her and Ardelia together, which Mm -hmm. I think is great. Like they solve that. They, they're the ones to figure out that he knew the the third victim found, but the first person killed, you know, she figured out she was at the right house, not Crawford and like an army of men who are like in the wrong state. Yeah. You know, um, she identified with Frederica she identified with the way the bodies were torn up. Like she identified with Catherine Martin's mother. Um, There's a really good exchange there um, where 
they're watching the video of Senator Martin like plead for her daughter's life. And she keeps saying the name Catherine over and over again. And I love this. And it's just so simple. And Cassie Lemon's character, Ardelia, is like, boy, that's really smart. Jesus, that's really smart. Yeah. And then the dude in the scene, it's just like, why does it keep saying, why does she keep saying her name? Mm. And Clarice is like, if he sees Catherine as a person and not just a, an object, that's harder to tear her up. And I just love that the, the those subtle choices are so important mm-hmm. because the women are bookend between the dude that's in their class and he's just like, why does she keep saying the name? And I love that they both are like, dude, seriously? Like, you know what I mean? Like in their way, they're like, really, dude? Like it's so, you know, I just love it. Yeah. That's a bit, <laughs> see, to me, that's a, that's a little, uh, you're right. And it's used really well, but it's a little screenwritery for me. I mean, it is. It's very it's like, expositioning. Well, it's because like somebody had heard that piece of information and went, uh, oh, let's have go. I'll put that in a movie one day. Yeah. Hearing and, about and, that. And I bet half the audience probably wouldn't <laughs> totally. understand it. And, and, ha- and how do you use it? Yeah. We'll make the guy dumb and the girl smart, yeah. which is Love what it. the movie's trying to do all the way along, which is fabulous. So as you're saying, speaking to the forensics of it as well and the procedure element, it's bang on the money all the way through. And you know. just Senator Martin. She's yeah. a, like, I love that they chose a female Senator. Like, is it, a, is it, uh, in the book? I can't remember. I haven't read the book Ooh, in a while. Is a Senator a woman in the book? But it makes so much more sense to do that anyway, because it's about the connection with women to women to women yes. as well. Yeah. So, and mothers and daughters. That actress, mm-hmm. Diane something, she played Joan Crawford's uh, daughter in Straight Jacket. Oh, shit. Mm-hmm. We have that clip too. I want to play every clip. Straight jacket, jacket clip? No, um, <laughs> take this thing back to Baltimore, which oh, is like great. one of my so lines in the entire movie. Really. Um, love the suit. Oh my God. <laughs> By the way, Senator. <laughs> it's so good. Love your suit. I'm well, five foot ten, 145 pounds. <laughs> wow. Over the, over the top theatrical villain. That's all I got to say. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Oscar winner for 16 minutes of screen time. Wow. <sighs> It shows how easily manipulated people can be. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. I love the movie. I'm just being a bitch. I love that you brought up, <laughs> I love that you brought up Ted Levine earlier, though. I bet if that movie was made today, he would have been pushed for lead actor. Uh, maybe. You know? But the categories are so skewed anymore. Yeah. Like, yeah. Mahershala for Best Supporting Actor in Green Book. He's, like, in the entire movie. Right. And also, that movie should be Well, done. and, like, Emma Stone in The Favourite. I feel like she's the lead in the favorite, even though Olivia Coleman's, I mean, they're all the lead, but no one's hosting the Oscars this year, right? What's the Oscars? Just, no, Actually, no surprise. Has. We're hosting the Oscars. Oh my God. Can you guys. imagine <laughs> the Oscars and the state of the union. I <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So yeah. any final thoughts, anybody? All right. Oh, I think you're hearing the cold wind go through yeah. right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it's a great movie. Um, <laughs> But gosh, final thoughts. Um, no? Yeah? I'm trying to think. <laughs> well. <laughs> I wanted- now we're all looking at you because you you took the floor. So you, now you've got to. No, I think my final thoughts are I love this movie and I love the filmmaking and I love, I love so much about it. And now to juxtapose, I want to discuss Ridley Scott's Hannibal as like psychotic <laughs> gay fantasia. No. You know, it's just a li- last thought on Science of the Lambs, if you don't mind. Is yeah. That- we agree it's a horror movie. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. How often has a horror movie of this integrity and skill ever been delivered to a theatrical audience? Because really? their horror movies are treated like chump movies a lot of the time. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a bigger respect for them in the past couple of years, but even then, like Hereditary, that should have been nominated, I think. You know, like there's still, 
it's like considered a less than genre. Yeah. I mean, get out is, I, I think it's close to being on the same level as far as story and the type of horror and well, the execution of get out. Is yeah. I mean, perfect, but <laughs> perfect. Well, I'm okay. Fine. I'm like being like <laughs> hyperbole to make a make a point. I guess I do love it. I mean, look it's in terms of like, no, you know what it is though. So much horror is. I guess what frustrates me in the horror community a lot is that they will laud all kinds of like. If you spend any time on Twitter, they'll be like, "This movie's so great," and you're like, "No, it's not. It's not. That's not a good movie. That's a bad. That's an actively bad movie." And I'm not going to call any out. Right now, but it's just like yeah. part I mean, of the reason. I think I made I think, one. <laughs> well, <laughs> listen, we we've all made, you know. But like part part of the reason that I I think that sometimes horror has that sort of PR problem in terms of like it's it's the space it should occupy, um, you know, and come award season or come the viewpoint uh-huh. is that sometimes I think we're a little too like generous to our own output, frankly, and you know. I don't know. I I I am not against a certain level of like elitism in, within the horror. So like when something as good and as beautifully executed as Get Out does come along, it's like, well, yeah. I mean, compared to like the fifty <laughs> other fucking horror movies right. that I was subjected to that year, yeah, it's fucking perfect <laughs> in comparison. Um, what did I read in a script once? I think it might have been like an early draft of Scream Four, but it was like for every Dark Knight, there's fifty prom nights. <laughs> <laughs> And I mean, that's like in filmmaking, you go, you're making, I don't know if this analogy is going to work in the US, but you start the morning making Ben-Hur and in the evening you're making Benny Hill, right? With Benny Hill, for those who don't know, is a very crappy English term. But it's it's like, it's like you go in with one intent and the kind of life gets in the way and you end up doing something you didn't mean to do at all. Oh, I've sat down so many times to write like my silence of the lambs and within like 15 minutes, I'm like, girl, you don't got it. You've written bones like that every time. You are writing Taking Lives, Murder by Numbers. Murder by this ain't Numbers. It. And I just watched Murder by Numbers, by the way. Fun film. So where can we find everyone on social media? <laughs> you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Black Cupcake. I'm on Twitter at Michael Ken Ken. I'm on Instagram at Senior Team. And MJ, besides Altered Carbon, anything else coming up? Um... No, I've kept it. I've got a, I'm writing a couple of movies now, just deciding what I'm going to do. And then your uh, remake. And then, my, my, well, my sequel. Sequel. Oh, oh sorry, my, my remake. Yeah, sequel. Remake to my high heels. Well, who knows? It's yeah. one of those ones. Fingers it'll crossed. Be, it'll be a passion project. I'll deliver a script, try and get some financing. You know, it's the, the process. We'll get in the way of that one. And can we find you anywhere online? Uh, yeah, I, I've got an Instagram. Okay. Uh, okay, it's MJ Bassett, but it's E-M-J-A-Y Bassett, as in phonetic. Because they wouldn't let me have the... It was unavailable. Rude. MJ Bassett at whatever, Instagram. How dare <laughs> they? I have no idea. How dare they? Yeah. <laughs> and you can find the show on Instagram and Twitter at it, uh, well, Queer Wolf Pod, and you can find me on Twitter at It's Raining Friends. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you very welcome. Yeah, it was wonderful. wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. 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 Should we be barring now? Bye. <laughs>